Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I'm Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. A special holiday Christmas edition of Fearless with uh, Jason Whitlock. I hope you're enjoying your holiday. Hey, listen, if you haven't done your, all of your Christmas shopping, uh, go to shopblazemedia.com slash fearless right now. Use my promo code Jason25 for 25% off all orders at the Fearless Shop. Yeah, get your, get your outfit your family and outfit yourself in some Fearless swag. Do it right now. Shopblazemedia.com slash fearless. Use my code Jason25. Uh, special show uh, for you today. Uh, Joel Gilbert, who was with us a few weeks ago, talking about uh, his documentary, The Trayvon Hoax. Joel had another great documentary out that I wanted to talk about uh, this holiday season, uh, and it's about Michelle Obama. It's, I think it's called Michelle Obama 24, and it's about how Joel's belief that Michelle Obama is actually going to be the Democrat nominee uh, in the 2024 presidential election. Here's the trailer uh, for Joel's uh, Michelle Obama documentary that Michelle Obama is running for president in 2024. Systemic racism, pepper spray, and rubber bullets on peaceful protesters. She's following the exact same formula that Barack did to become president. Michelle was the keynote speaker at the 2020 Democrat convention, just like Barack was in 2004. Barack once ran a voter registration organization. Now, so does Michelle. That's how we change America. Also, Barack Obama based his candidacy on his personal story. Michelle has done the exact same thing. But like Barack, Michelle tells a life story that is more fiction than fact. Maybe somebody's gonna discover that I shouldn't be here. I learned that to get power, Michelle pretends to be part of the black community she exploited all her life. Lo and behold, trying to pay your own rent. Imposter uh, syndrome. All-out war between the pigs and us. And it turns out, Michelle's close friend and mentor was an anti-American radical. The politics of fear. Because of fear. Your fear. They want you to be afraid of change. We're working to change the future of this nation. We need you. Are you in? Fundamentally transforming the United States of America. And to transform America, Come election day, 2024. All right, welcome back, Joel Gilbert. Joel, I really enjoyed uh, this documentary, but, but I want to start here. A couple of weeks ago, I had on one of my favorite media personalities, Megyn Kelly. And Megyn Kelly told me, oh, Michelle Obama hates D.C. She hates politics. She has no interest in being president. She's not running. And my eyes nearly popped out of my head. My jaw, I was like, really? Megan, that's what you believe? What would you say to Megan Kelly, her contention that Michelle hates D.C., hates politics, has no interest? Well, first of all, by definition, all politicians hate politics. They just love the power part of it. Now, Michelle Obama, you might remember, was so political back in 2008 she was giving speeches to huge crowds in stadiums all on her own, supporting Barack Obama's candidacy. 
And they were very political, nasty speeches. She said everything bad you could think of about America that she got from her pal Bernadine Dorn. She talked about how you can't afford to pay your rent, you can't afford childcare. She said, don't get sick in this country. And one day she went over the top and said, for the first time in my life, I'm proud of my country because Barack won a primary. Now she said a lot worse things than that, but the media picked up on that and the Obama campaign told her, look, we could win the White House, but we could lose because of you. People are going to hate you. So the next day she got a speechwriter, and Michelle said, oh, I hate politics. I just want to be the mom in chief. So she kind of took a step back because she didn't want people to hate her like they hated Hillary. And she kept up that persona kind of behind the scenes in the White House for years. She was a big fashionista. She just wanted to help people. And she's kind of taken that persona. But as you saw in the trailer, as soon as she got out of the White House, she started a voter registration organization. She started uh, writing two autobiographies like Barack did. She was the keynote speaker. So she's a very, very political person. She's a better politician than Barack. She's a better speaker. Charles Ogletree was a law professor at Harvard who taught both Michelle and Barack at Harvard Law. And he said between Michelle and Barack, he would have guessed it would have been Michelle to run for president and not Barack. So Michelle is highly political, and I'm convinced she's been preparing to run for president for some years now. When you say she's a better politician than Barack, what's your justification for that? She's a, a more natural speaker. She comes across more authentic. Uh, Barack is kind of very forced and labored. He kind of goes off on tangents. He says, uh, 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 a lot. He doesn't do well off the teleprompter. Uh, Michelle Obama is much more natural, kind of a real person from the neighborhood in Chicago, and she comes across more relaxed and just has a, a, a more friendly persona than Barack ever did. And between the two of them, you know, she is the force in the relationship. She's the one that was Barack's treasurer when he first ran for uh, state senate in Illinois. Uh, she's the one that got a job with the mayor of Chicago, Richard Daley, and got all the connections for Barack. She's the one that met Tony Resco and Valerie Jarrett. There's all Michelle's connections. And they even go back to Michelle's father, who was a precinct captain working for the Democrat Party machine in Chicago. Her father had a patronage job, meaning he had an easy, cushy job working for the water department as an inspector. But his real job was to get the black voters out to vote for the Democrat Party machine. Uh, a lot of people don't know that Michelle grew up in Jesse Jackson's house as well because she was best friends with his daughter, Santita. So when Jackson was running for president in the early 80s, Michelle was there. She saw everything. So she's more political and a more natural politician from a political family compared to Barack, who grew up in Hawaii with the, you know, with the grandparents. So based off that analysis, when you say a better politician than Barack, she sounds like she'd be a very formidable candidate and, I mean, really, really difficult for Donald Trump or anybody on the Republican side to be, no? Well, look, Michelle is a pop culture phenomenon. She's had 15 years of all positive publicity, hundreds of magazine covers, hundreds of talk shows. She's probably the best loved Democrat, maybe the most popular person in the country, if not the entire world. So she would be a formidable opponent. She can appeal to nostalgia. Remember how much you love the Obama years. She's been talking about on her book tour about how we had a scandal free in the White House when, you know, we didn't have any scandals. And uh, she can play that card that she just 
kind of doesn't like politics, but she wants to bring the country together. Not not different from Donald Trump, who said, hey, I had a great life and, you know, I had all this real estate and this money. I didn't need all this. So Michelle can use the same type of argument that she just wants to help people out. She even told, uh, said when she introduced Joe Biden at the 2020 Democrat convention, she was the keynote speaker. She said, you know, I hate politics, but I love this nation and I love your children. So she, it'll probably be something similar to that, that she can appeal to the masses. But as I show in my film, it's also a book, by the way, uh, on Amazon. And the film you can watch on SalemNow.com or, or on uh, Amazon Prime Video. I point out that Michelle's uh, biggest vulnerability is actually her terrible relationship with the black community. And that's what Donald Trump could, could attack her on and, and win on. Because Michelle has a horrible relationship as a child. Her and her brother were the black face of white flight. They refused to go to school and study with other blacks, even though South Shore High School was a block from their home. They went an hour and a half away to a Catholic school. Her brother did, expensive private school. They weren't even Catholic. And Michelle went to a magnet school. Uh, Michelle writes about the kids would accuse her of acting white and talking white. Michelle writes in Becoming, her best-selling autobiography, about getting beat up by a girl named Dee Dee, who called her an Oreo, which is a racial insult. It means you're black on the outside, but you're really white on the inside. So Michelle didn't have any black friends. The black kids saw that she didn't want to have anything to do with them. And then Michelle got her revenge on the black community as a professional in Chicago. She worked for Mayor Richard Daley. She was assistant planning commissioner. And her job was to kick 20,000 black people out of their homes at Cabrini Green. This was a project that the Democrat donor developers like Tony Resco wanted because they wanted the land. It was near downtown. So Michelle was hired by rich white Democrat elites because they couldn't hire a white person to kick 20,000 black people out of their homes. They needed to hire a black person for that. So Michelle helped kick them out of their homes and said, it's going to be good for you. And having proven how callous she was, same thing, University of Chicago Medical Center was having a problem with the black Southsiders would show up at the emergency room. A lot of them didn't have good insurance and they were losing money. And they couldn't hire a white person to kick black people out of their emergency room. So Michelle Obama always took that type of job. She made 300000 a year starting something called the Southside Health Collaborative. And Michelle's job was if you were black and showed up at the emergency room, she would put you in a van and dump you back on the south side in a crappy clinic in a strip mall, which was illegal. It was called patient dumping. It was specifically illegal. And Michelle would tell the black residents, this is good for you. It's going to be better for you. So Michelle, as a politician, tries to cover up her horrible exploitation of the black community by trying to pretend to be one of these ordinary black folks, by making up these phony stories that she suffered racial discrimination growing up, that she was held back in life. And I've proven that all those stories are completely false and they're intended to manipulate black and minority voters into thinking that she would represent their interests. Uh, you saw on the trailer how when Michelle spoke to black audiences, she'd put on a phony urban accent, again, to try to convince them, hey, I'm just kind of, I'm just like you. Uh, Michelle makes up a phony story for 15 years. She's been talking about how her high school counselor racially profiled her for applying to Princeton University and told her, you're black, maybe you're stretching going to Princeton. Now, I found out her high school counselor was a church-going black woman named Nan King, 
There's no way she racially profiled her. The worst thing she could have said is, Michelle, you've got really low test scores for, for Princeton. You might want to apply to some backups. We've all kind of heard that. So Michelle is a total phony in terms of how she pretends to be one of the ordinary black folks who's, who had their experiences. In fact, Michelle refused to have any black friends or study with them growing up. She exploited them for her career. And her political vulnerability is that terrible relationship because the core voting group of the um, Democrat party, they need 90, 95% of black voters to come out and vote for Democrats. And I think black voters are no fools. If they understood and knew what Michelle did to them uh, in her career in Chicago, I don't think they would support Michelle Obama. Mm. That last statement, you moved into more my area of expertise, and, okay. and I'm more cynical than you in terms right. of like, oh, you know, we got rappers that come out and call black women every name in the book, brag about murdering black people, and they're some of the most celebrated people in the black community. They're some of the most pro-black people. And, and so I just don't think any of these things that Michelle has done, the, the truth about Michelle will be irrelevant. The only thing that will matter to black voters is she's black. And well, I think, uh, look, she's I think not Michelle, Donald Trump. Or look, Well, I think Michelle is so insecure about her relationship with the black community. It's not different from Barack Obama. When he came on the scene, black voters didn't think he was black. They weren't voting for him. They thought he was a white guy from Hawaii raised by white grandparents who grew up in Indonesia. They weren't on board. And it took a lot of work by Michelle to really try to prove to the black community that Barack was one of them. And even after the first term uh, of Obama was ending, it wasn't sure that the black voters would vote for him again because everything had gotten worse. And as we talked about in my last uh, visit on your show, they exploited the George Zimmerman, Trayvon Martin case to kind of inflame black voters to try to come out again. And BLM started as a result of that of that case. Uh, but uh, I think Donald Trump should start even now by saying things like, Michelle Obama, are you going to apologize for what you did to the black community in Chicago? Michelle, how much money did you make kicking black people out of the emergency room? These are the kind of things that I think will open a whole can of worms. And that's one reason I, I wanted to share the information that I, I put together in my book and my film. So, whew, I, I, I just I guess I'm just a bit more cynical that that she may be the silver bullet for the Democrat Party. And, and, and to me, the argument I would make is like, hey, look, uh, and again, I, I would just go for the gusto. I don't know if Trump can make this argument. It was the argument I would make. It was like, the black matriarchy does not work. And so you want to prescribe this for all of America? Just look at the results of the black matriarchal culture. And, and you think we need more of that across America? That would be my argument. And and because I, I just think the racial idolatry is so strong. And, she you know, she's you think she's more because you've made some powerful say you think she's more popular and more beloved than Oprah Winfrey? 
Uh, she's definitely up in the Oprah zone where she's she, you know, draws a massive crowd of people that just love her. I mean, I went to her book tour event here in Los Angeles that's now on Netflix when Oprah interviewed her. Uh, and it's called The Light We Carry, her second autobiography. I went two hours early thinking I would just walk around and talk to a couple people. I was there two hours early. Everybody had tickets, but they lined up. It was miles of people lined up screaming for Michelle. So she has the pop culture status, uh, but I think her uh, vulnerability is her core base voting group. Um, the black people in Chicago didn't like Michelle growing up. They called her out as an Oreo. They said she acted white. She didn't have any black friends. Her best friend when she worked at the Sidley Austin law firm was Bernadine Dorn, a domestic terrorist who taught her about the politics of fear. That's where she got all that negative anti-American rhetoric from. Um, Michelle had jobs where she exploited black people. I think the black community kind of knows uh, something about her that something's not right. When they see my film, they say, they say, oh, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. Because Michelle was never part of the black community. She married a biracial man. She you know, went to Princeton and Harvard, Harvard lawyer, and she just manipulates. Uh, in my film, for example, I point out that Michelle was on the top 25 best dressed list for Vanity Fair, international best dressed list in 2005. She spent years going to the Miracle Mile in Chicago and getting all these fancy clothes from these designers like Maria Pinto and Ikram Goldman. She had a celebrity hairdresser from age 18. Then Michelle shows up on the campaign trail for Barack in 2008. She doesn't show up as a fashionista and say, hey, I'm another Harvard lawyer like my husband. She shows up looking like a homeless person. She wears an old sweater. She doesn't comb her hair. And she puts on a phony urban accent. So Michelle is all phony and fake. And uh, I think the black community can and will see through it if Donald Trump and others start pointing it out. And uh, that's her, her biggest fear. And that's why she's worked so hard on developing these relationships with, uh, with minority communities. You can look at her Twitter. She has 100 million social media followers. And it's all outreach to minorities and women and trying to build that base of voters that really was the Oprah Winfrey audience that you mentioned. So what do you say about the, the, the white people who spend every day trying to desperately prove they're not racist and oh, voting for Michelle would be, well, see, I'm not racist, I voted for Michelle. I think that's her number one selling point. Well, it's a similar to what happened with you know, Barack in 2008. White people thought he was black. And that kind of said, well, we'd like to have a black president. That'd be great. Uh, but black people didn't think he was black, and they weren't into it at first. So yeah, Michelle can certainly take advantage of the constant berating of the media uh, and even politicians that you know America is racist and uh, well, where's the racism? Oh, well, it's in the system. Well, where is it? It's systemic. Well, where's in the system? Well, it's in your DNA. You don't know you have it. Oh, we, we don't know we have it. Well, the way you get rid of it is, you know, let's have another black president. So it, it's it's certainly a phenomenon that, that white people want to have, uh, certainly Democrats, that's the direction they're going. They're really not into white males like Joe Biden. They got rid of Andrew Cuomo. 
some almost every candidate they've put up around the country are minorities or women. It's certainly the direction the Democrat Party is going. They're pretty much done with old white males. And that's why I think Joe Biden uh, is uh, so unappealing to the Democrat base voters. They don't want him. The down ballot Democrats are terrified he'll drag down the ticket, uh, state senators, congressmen, governors. And he's just got a terrible record on the economy, on the border, internationally, you name it. So uh, I think for them, for so, especially for the, yeah. So l let me ask you that. When did you put this documentary out? And then the second part of that I'm asking, because I let, let's say we're in December. When do you expect Michelle to come out of the closet and say, I'm running for president? Well, she's been out of the closet giving political speeches uh, for, for a long time. Uh, we have a December 23rd deadline coming up to get all the primary ballots. And the Democrats, you know, moved the first primary out of Iowa to South Carolina, which is Michelle's adopted home state, she said, because her grandparents are from there. And she used to go there for high school re or for family reunions growing up. So she literally could declare in the next couple weeks and be able to get on all the primary ballots if she's in by, you know, early December. If not, we're probably looking at the scenario that Ted Cruz had mentioned when he spoke about it the last couple months that Biden would go through the primary process and the Democrats would find a way to dump him for some reason prior to the convention, freeing up all the delegates, and they would then be able to push Michelle Obama. And she would also solve the problem of plausibility, as I call it. The people that stuff ballots and harvest ballots, uh, if Joe Biden wins on election night, most people aren't going to believe it. They'll say, we don't believe it. If Michelle Obama wins on election night, you'd say, well, She's so popular, I guess I believe it. Mm. Is there, and so let me, is your belief in Michelle, one, I think you're saying, look, she's been building for this for a long time, but also two, you're saying Biden's a weak candidate. What would be the third option? If it's not Michelle, do you think they would actually run Joe Biden or is Gavin Newsom uh, a possibility? I don't think Gavin Newsom is realistic. He has a very poor record as governor of California here. Uh, he's a very kind of snarky, used salesman kind of guy that'll say anything at any time, kind of like a younger Joe Biden. Uh, so I don't think he would resonate with the, with the general public. I think he's kind of been angling for maybe a vice presidential slot similar to what Mike Pence filled, a former governor uh, for Donald Trump, who didn't have executive experience. Then you, so I think Gavin Newsom would be an appropriate candidate to be in the vice presidential slot for Michelle Obama. Uh, but I, I do think she's the best loved Democrat. She has the national following and she brings back the nostalgia of the Obama years without any uh, of the, the downside of Biden's record. That was Bidenomics, that was Joe Biden. You know, he's kind of the disposable old guy, and it's time for a new era uh, of Michelle Obama. Joe, I, I told you this uh, when I called you off air. Uh, the one thing I thought your documentary did, particularly with all the old photos and articles, th there's been this whole Big Mike trans conspiracy uh, around Michelle Obama, and I thought your right. documentary uh, put that to bed 
really effectively that Michelle Obama is not transgender. That's correct. Like, for example, this is a photo of Michelle. You probably see that. This is her high school dance class, age 16, from her high school yearbook. She's very obviously female. So the, uh, you know, it was a joke by Joan Rivers. I think the conservative community reacted to that joke where someone, they asked, TMZ asked Joan Rivers, is, are we ever going to have a gay president? She said, oh, well, we have a gay president. Obama's gay. Michelle's transgender. It was a joke. And I think the conservatives kind of picked up on that online and made it a big thing because Michelle has had only positive publicity for 15 years, 100% positive publicity. There was never anything negative. So I think that was kind of an outlet. Uh, but I assure you, Michelle is very much female. She's a total phony uh, in her politics because Michelle really is an American success story. Her parents got her out of the, the schools where she thought the black kids would drag her down for education, put her in better schools, gifted schools, put her to Princeton and Harvard. She had a great job. She worked for the mayor of Chicago. She worked for the University of Chicago Medical Center. She's an American success story. But instead of being honest about it, Michelle says, oh, I was held back in life. I was discriminated against uh, because of my skin color. I, uh, uh, you know, I'm just like one of you ordinary black folks. You know, give me the, give me the power. So that's her phoniness. She doesn't tell the truth about her life story to manipulate uh, voters to get power. The, I thought you did a great job of showing the pattern of behavior uh, and showing the, uh, instead of being held back, she was probably given opportunities that she hadn't actually earned. You know, her test scores didn't really qualify her for Princeton. She gets to Princeton, she can't compete academically and adopts the sports major that all the athletes take, sociology, like That's her right. brother. And, you'll, and, and, so, and then she gets a job at a law firm in Chicago that, you know, I don't think she was asked to do a whole lot there. She's, it, it is amazing to watch her argue, look at all the stuff I overcame when, like, wow. Her dad was a local powerhouse politically and used his local power to get her in schools and <laughs> that she probably didn't belong in. And, and they had plenty <coughs> of money relatively speaking, uh, because of his political power. Uh, it, it, it is amazing what they got away with it. Joe, I want to ask you, because you blew up the transgender deal, but you argued pretty persuasively that that youngest child yeah. doesn't appear to be Barack's child. You think that's perhaps Martin Nesbitt and Michelle's child not Barack's, explain. Yeah, I do make that argument in the film that uh, Michelle writes openly in her book about having to go through IVF treatment for both of her daughters. And she spends, uh, you know, about 10 pages talking about the difficulty of IVF. It's about an eight to 12 week process where you have to go for these medical treatments and back and forth. And then for the second daughter, she just says, I did the IVF again and it worked right away. But curiously, the second daughter uh, looks nothing like uh, Malia, the older daughter, nothing at all. Don't even look like half-sisters. 
And uh, during that period of the summer of 2000, when she uh, would have gotten pregnant with the younger daughter, Sasha, her and Barack are not on speaking terms. Barack had run for uh, Congress against Bobby Rush in Chicago against Michelle's advice. She refused to be part of the campaign. She told him not to do it. Barack ran through all their credit cards. He came out to the Democrat National Convention in LA and then couldn't even get in. Uh, Michelle's mother had to take out a $50,000 mortgage against her house to bail them out. So there's a lot of talk in history that they really were not on speaking terms. So it's a little hard to believe that during that time they would have said, hey, let's go through the IVF process and spend a couple months doing that at this time. And the fact that uh, Martin Nesbitt was kind of a close family friend, lived nearby, and you can imagine he might have done a little bit too much consoling of Michelle when she was complaining uh, because the second daughter, uh, Sasha, I think is the spitting image of Martin Nesbitt. She also looks just like Nesbitt's daughter, Roxanne, who's her age. Uh, so I, I, we don't have the DNA, but uh, I think there's a pretty good argument for that. And believe it or not, I, as I show in the film, I even asked Michelle Obama's mother about that question, and she kind of agreed with me. She says she didn't kick me out of the house. She said, "Yeah, they don't look alike at all," you know. Uh, so that's pretty curious, uh, and I think it's a, an Obama family secret that uh, is out there. Well. Uh... <laughs> We have a lot of secrets like that <laughs> in the black community. That may make her more relatable uh, there you go. <laughs> to, to some people. Uh, Joe, if you had to guess, I mean, you're saying she's going to run. Do you think she'll win? I think there is a strong uh, argument that uh, Trump can make that will devastate her core voting group of women and minorities by exposing her real life history. And I think he can make an effective argument asking those questions, you know, Michelle, you know, how much money did you make kicking 20,000 black people out of their homes, kicking them out of the emergency room? Are you gonna apologize for what you did to the black community? I think that'll open a whole can of worms. I think she's a very formidable candidate. She'll be supported by the media 100%. Anyone who challenges Michelle will be accused of having racist feelings. You're, it's not that you don't agree with her crazy policy, it's you you must be racist and sexist. Uh, you've got a gender problem and a racial problem if you don't agree with her. That's a little extension of what they did with Barack. If you didn't agree with Barack's abuse of the Constitution and uh, Obamacare, it must be you were, you, you were racist. You didn't like the first black president. So the media will be all over uh, supporting Michelle because of race and gender. And it'll be very difficult to defeat her. Uh, but I think that is her biggest vulnerability, is her fake, phony life story that she's been pumping for years. And there's the reality of how she exploited and, ab and abused the black community all her life. And that's her biggest vulnerability. Uh, Joe, where can people go to watch Michelle Obama 24? Yeah, you can go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com, you can live stream or get the DVD. The book version and the DVD, as well as the movie, you can live stream on Amazon, Amazon Prime Video. And uh, I think it's a life-changing experience. You just see her whole life story and how the media supported the Obamas and, and what I think she's planning to do to take power again. I think the Obamas are itching to get back in the White House, and uh, they're going to be pushing Joe Biden aside one way or the other uh, before the Democrat National Convention. 
in Michelle's hometown, Chicago, of all places, is where they put it. Joe, thank you so much. Have a Merry Christmas. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Uh, that's going to be, that's going to wrap for us. That's it. Uh, we, a little special holiday gift for you. Joe Gilbert, Michelle Obama, 24. Uh, have a great Christmas. We'll talk again soon. Bye.